Hello and welcome to Deep Shots. Today on the podcast, Slavik and I wrap up our thoughts on the Oscars and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Check it out and give us your thoughts too. We hope you enjoy the show. If you do, please subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Check out socials on Facebook, Deep Shots Podcast, and on Twitter at Deep Shots Pod. If you have a question or a future show idea, drop us an email at deepshotspod at gmail.com. Okay, podcast starts in three, two, one. What's in the box? What's in the suitcase? What's in the box? Deep Shots. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Deep Shots. Wade and Slavic here. Wade, how you doing, brother? Good, man. How are you? I am doing well. Um, looking forward to this podcast, even though I didn't have a very good night's sleep, which seems to be more the norm as I get older. Um, not sure why that is. What were the issues last night? Uh, well, I think my bed became a little overcrowded. I had my wife, my dog, and my daughter, and I was somewhere in the middle of all of that and just... I didn't have I didn't have the heart to kick my daughter out of the bed because I don't have that many more opportunities with her. She's getting up there in age, so I'm like, oh, just stay here. Does she sleep like you know normally in the bed, like vertically, you know, head to toe vertically? Yeah, for the most part, she is a good vertical sleeper and she's a good snuggler. Um, my youngest, however. It, like loses all sense of direction and really gravity for some some moments. <laughs> um, it's really strange. And then when you throw the dog in the mix, it's even it's perpetually worse. Yeah, my my youngest son will sleep like t boned with his like head in my back and his feet in my wife's back, and it's like, what are we doing here? Like, wh- why is that comfortable even to you? Because it ain't comfortable to us. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know, kids can kids can sleep in any kind of direction, place, um, noise level. It seems remarkable to me. Uh, I don't remember being like that. Uh, I do have one thing I got to bring up with you that um, I don't know for whatever reason. This I'm on my second go around with this, so I'm sure like most fathers in the world, you, at bedtime. You sit down with your kid and you read a story, bedtime story to him. Well, today my son had uh, like a four kids version of Pokemon. And I got to tell you, I read this book from cover to cover and I couldn't tell you. Wait, 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 wait. Are you telling me there's adult versions of Pokemon stories? Oh, I I bet you there. I mean, I don't know, (laughs) but I bet you there are. There's people that are Pokemon crazy. And I read this thing cover to cover, and I was done. And I turned to him, and I'm like, I don't know what the hell I just read. Like, I had no idea what. Mm. And I remember going through the same thing with my oldest and reading this, some version or the same version of that book. And, man, they the, Pokemon just seemed to be able to do all sorts of things all the time. And I have no clue. I have, like, no clue. But, you know, I'm I, I'm a fairly... I mean, I'm like a C-plus nerd, right? I I like comic books. I like all these crazy movies. But I have no interest in Pokemon. What are your thoughts on this? Am I crazy? Well, yeah, I I can't keep up. But, you know, also those – our kids, you know, couldn't tell you 
uh, what kind of weapon Dengar carried in Star Wars either. But you know, I can. So I'm, I'm joking. I don't know, Set, but uh, but Star Wars is like is more relevant. Like Pokemon just seems like it just seems like these things pop out of nowhere. Like in this story I was reading, all of a sudden a tank was present, and no explanation, just a tank. Like okay. Yeah, I couldn't even tell you like what, like what. I I got no backstory for you for Pokemon. Like, do they just manifest out of nowhere? Well, I mean, I have no idea. Well, I think there's like, I I think where my point is heading, and my kids aren't big Pokemon fans. We're just reading it because some kid probably told them about Pokemon cards or something. But there's like a, there's like an underbelly to nerdness, and I think Pokemon. There's that magic game with cards for... So, little technical difficulties here, but uh, we'll figure it out. We'll iron it out. Again, we are just amateurs. But, well, so that distracted from my whole point about Pokemon and that there's an underbelly of nerddom that, quite honestly, I have no interest in conquering. I'm I'm good at B-level. Yeah, and, and then every now and then I'll see all these weirdos running around Hamburg um looking at their phones and and they're and and I'm like what the fuck is going on and they're still playing that Pokemon Go and they're no way tracking yeah that was like years I mean, maybe ago I ha- no, but like last summer it was still going on and we'll see what happens this spring wow. but it was you know that's crazy to me and yeah I, I I that's a bridge too far but I will you know talk to you for uh, Twelve hours about Wandavision finales or and stuff like that. Yeah. So I guess I I have. So you're a B. You're to... a B villain. You're a B. <laughs> B uh, nerd. Um, I'm uh, I'm Zemo apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So just to be so <laughs> stupid today, I was uh, feeling a little tired. So I sat in my family room and I threw on one of the greatest movies of all time, the new Mortal Kombat. Oh, for Christ! Oh my God! This movie is 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 ridiculously bad, <laughs> but campy and so, like just goofy, and you're like, oh my god. So I won't watch. I've never even played like a second of Mortal Kombat, but you know, you watched Godzilla versus Kong, and you've watched the new Mortal Kombat. So give me the uh, the, the pros and cons. So I'm uh, I'm like committed to watching every one of these HBO releases. Um, I don't know why I have this desire, but uh, uh, you know what? The Kong versus Godzilla, you know, I watched it with my son. He did get scared in the middle of it, but as a entertaining romp, yeah, it was good enough. I mean, I again, it's just a video game, basically. Yeah, I, I did watch that, and I when the monsters were fighting each other and Again, Kong's throwing a right cross in Godzilla's face. I was, I, I loved it, but yeah, I could have done with about, done without about ninety percent of the dialogue in that movie. Yeah, because it just made no sense. But yeah, but Mortal Kombat. Well, so real quick, Godzilla and Kong. We talked about this before, where they need a guy that just comes in and goes, "Are you guys sure you want to do this?" Because Godzilla attacks kong chained on a navy vessel 
and somehow gets bested. <laughs> and I just don't, <laughs> I don't uh, get how that happened. So that's just a minor critique of a, a movie that really could deserve about a million critiques. But pure entertainment, fun, not uh, definitely not what we're going to talk about today as far as an Oscar. However, Mortal Kombat should definitely get an Oscar for really just burning money. Like it, it just seems like there's not going to be any ROI on this one. <laughs> well, you know that's that's an interesting thing and something I wanted to talk about a little bit. And it, these HBO Max films are a little bit different because they are getting theatrical releases. But I want to talk about uh, later in the podcast. I want to talk about action films and and Netflix and Prime and some of the future releases that are coming up and stuff that they've been doing. I just. I, I just need to talk through it and try to understand it a little bit more because I, I there's a dichotomy there that I'm I'm not getting, but we'll we'll get to that. Yeah, I'm definitely definitely up for it. Yeah, tonight we wanted to you know wrap up our our Oscars discussion and uh, talk about the the show, the Oscar show, and then we also wanted to wrap up um, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and go over kind of the finale and kind of give our season overview and thoughts on that show. Yeah. So, so just, re- just as a reminder, when we did our picks, how many of mine did you get right? Just, uh, just as a reminder. I, uh, yeah. I'd want to yeah, just I guess, remember how I guess. you knew me so well. I just wanted to remind you how many times, how many of mine you got right. My picks were eight for eight because again, I know you better than you know you. Yeah. So I did I send, I did yeah. send an email prior to uh, give yeah. my list. So, and how many did yeah. I get of yours? It was like three, three, three. out of eight. So yeah. I think yeah. uh, I think that in my heart I'm still undefeated. <laughs> As a life motto for you, my friend. As a life <laughs> motto, you you are you are 100. percent All right. So, but as far as far as our predictions, I got three of them right, and I should have had a fourth one right, and you got one right. So let's talk about that. Well, I mean, I think I was. R- really willing to concede that my picks weren't going to win because nobody attempts to oh, no, 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 agree no. We, with me we, anyway. We, we, had, we had a clear delineation between who we wanted to win and who we thought were going to win. No, no, no. So, I said anyway. No Man Land was going to win. I wanted Mank to no, win. You, oh, fuck's sake. We need to back up the podcast. You did not. Oh, get out of here. You, Wait a minute. Before we get into that, though, let's talk about a movie – that I watched, and your acronym's going to screw me up. Give me the name of that movie. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. How did this movie not get nominated for Best Picture? Tell me that. Well, I uh, I thought it was really well done. The, I mean, obviously, Chadwick Boseman was, was nominated for Best Actor. Viola Davis was nominated for Best Actress. It got all kinds of nominations for set design and costume design and makeup and... Um, but yeah, it did not get a best picture nomination. And the only thing I can point to was that it's, it was adapted from a screenplay, but it, the, the whole production and maybe they intended it to be this way, but it felt like a play, not like a movie to me. It's, it seemed like, like Hamilton was a, a filmed version of a live stage play. It was like a step above that to me. It it seemed like a filmed version of a play. And I don't know if it got points off for that, but it was definitely different when I was viewing it compared to other movies. But I think that's a strength in it, that it's not like every other movie. And if I, you know, we talked about 
the bottom of the list. I think it was a much better presentation than Promising Young Woman. I think it was a much better presentation than Minari. I would make an argument that it sits, I mean, with the rest of these films that we talked about, that maybe they weren't all A-pluses. But to me, when I saw it, I was like, this should be in the fight. It should have an opportunity to win. And that's where I think. Yeah. I mean, I probably would have slotted it. Again, there was two movies I didn't really care for, and that was uh, Trial of Chicago 7 and Mank. And I saw I probably would have slotted it just above them, but I would have had it below The Father, below Promising Young Woman. I mean, I I enjoyed it, and I thought the performances were great, but I just – I would have put it in the Best Picture nominees. I I totally agree. But to give you a reason why, just cinematically, it it felt like – uh, uh, fi- just uh, they filmed the play to me. Yeah, no, thank God you're playing a devil's advocate. It would be horrible if you just said, no, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be much of a podcast. So. <laughs> All right, well, so that said, we can jump into the, or maybe it's a good segue to talk about best actor uh, as opposed to best pick right now because you wanted me to compare. Yeah, so what it, what, so what did you think of Bozeman? I, the, so the, in the Oscars uh, broadcast, there, there's. We'll get to the kind of peculiarities of it, but it ended. They, they ended with best actor, and Chadwick Boseman was was the heavy favorite to win because obviously uh, he had a great perform. He had he had a great performance for one, but also it kind of just seemed logical in the, in the the Academy would give him the award because he passed away, unfortunately. Um, but Anthony Hopkins won. So now that you've seen my Rainey's Black Bottom, uh, what do you what do you think of? that so i think man quite honestly i'd love to be able to spend time watching the father again and watching this movie again but on first impressions i think that bozeman gives a great performance i think it's electrifying it's he's a complex character it's very charismatic charismatic i think he um the scenes where they talk about their families is gut-wrenching. My biggest gripe is that, unfortunately, he will never have another opportunity to have that award. But that said, given what Anthony Hopkins did, because it really made such a big impression on me, that movie, and the, like the horror side of losing your mind. Mm-hmm. You know, man, it's a tough... It's one of those things where how can you not consider the fact that he passed away for Bozeman? Mm -hmm. But then again, how can you not consider how good of a performance Anthony Hopkins gives? You know, it's it's a tough call. Yeah. And Anthony already has one. My boy Anthony. (laughs) Sorry, Mr. Hopkins. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, and I I agree with that. I I think if we listen back to the podcast, I I said that I – I thought Hopkins' performance was better, and I I think it was. Um, but I just, given the circumstance, I I was for sure thought that he that that Bozeman would win. Does that mean, you know, uh, we need to relitigate hashtag Oscars so white? I don't think so. I mean, well, I think is that a thing? I I don't think that's a thing. Yeah, that that was that was a thing several years. Yeah, ago. years ago. Not on this one. I'm saying not on this specific Oscars. Yeah. It's just, it's, I would love to know how the Academy, like, what is the criteria for best actor? What is the best 
what is the criteria for best picture? Is it more like what my stance was in that it's got to be you're looking at each individual piece of art that goes into making a film, or is it just an overall impression, kind of the way you go about it? Um, I, and is it? I think everyone is it regular. I don't think they have rules. I don't think they have rules, and I don't. I, I think that's you know why you've seen you know strange winners come out is of the that how Hall academy of fame in the works? past. Is that how yeah. the, I mean, the journalist goes? Yeah. I just feel like Michael Jordan should get it, but not Jack Sigma. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> obviously, I think it's yeah, the, it's it's very subjective, and but it, it's it's just it was interesting to me that that Hopkins did it up winning, even though, I, quite honestly, I I think his performance probably was better. It what what was crazy was again. traditionally the Oscars have always done the awards almost always in the same order in that you get best director, you get the best female and male uh, actor awards or actor and actress awards. And then you get best picture to end the show. And Soderbergh directed the show. And I think he wanted to, to, spice it up a little bit and he he changed the the order of those awards to put best actor last and when they did that i think every at least i was on twitter with you know many others and and the what seemed to be the uh, prevailing wisdom was that oh they put best actor last so that you know chadwick boseman win would be the hammer but it's very obvious now that the producers did not know who had won that category and that's always been a a gripe of the Oscars is that, you know, the, who knows beforehand, who doesn't know beforehand of, of, of the winners, but it's very obvious that whoever made this decision didn't because Anthony Hopkins wasn't at the awards and it ended with Joaquin Phoenix, who was also in a very weird mood. Uh, um, it's basically said, Oh, Anthony Hopkins isn't with us tonight. And we accept this award on his behalf. Good night, everybody. Good night. And it was just a bummer. I mean, it was just a bummer of a way to end the show. I can't believe you were able to watch the whole thing. I'd be bored off my cord, (laughs) especially since they weren't doing movie clips this year. Well, apparently I was uh, one of the only people who watching it because it was it was one of the lowest. It was the lowest rating Oscars of all time, which is interesting to me because, you know, we talked last podcast how these Oscars or these movies were more accessible than than ever before. But. Apparently, you know, but that's that's me and my generation who have the ability to log on to Hulu and find Nomadland and log on to Amazon Prime and find all these other nominations. But, yeah, uh, in 2012, there was 39 million viewers of the Oscars. And since then, uh, 2014, there was actually 43 million viewers. But since then, the number of... Uh, viewers has steadily declined 34 32 26 23 23 million viewers last year and in 2020 and in 2021 9.9 million viewers of of the oscars which is crazy to me that it's less than half considering we're in covid and it's just it's amazing to me and yeah the show was different but i i actually the presentation I thought was actually really nice and a lot better than all these Zoom calls that they've had for Emmys and Grammys and what have you. 
I thought it was, looked really classy and nice, but man, no one else tuned into view, I guess. But isn't this a dying? One of the like, only ones. I mean, that... Part of me thinks this is a dying thing, right? I mean, less and less people are watching movies just because of how much media there is out there. Like you were getting on my shit about YouTube and and all that. And I think yeah. like my kids, they don't watch movies. They watch little clips of of crap, and I I just think that. They got to do something. They got to do something to change it up big time. I, I agree with you, but to go, you know, and it's been, like I said, since 2014, it's been steadily declining. But then to go from 23 million to 9 million viewers or, or almost 10 million viewers, that's that's insane. And again, it's it's just shocking to me, given that five of eight of these movies that were Best Picture nominees, you could watch on streaming services. Yeah. And the other three were available to to you know to rent you know premium vo you know premium VOD. And if you were in states that weren't New York, you could go see a lot of these. You know, I, when I was in Tennessee uh, a couple weeks ago, Minari was on in the theater there. Oh man, it'd be hard to watch that movie in a theater. Oh. But really interesting to me. I, and I, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if if it bounces back next year. If was it was it because there was no crowds? Was it because you know people just weren't interested in these movies but again uh, see i think it's more about they're not in, people aren't going to be interested in 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 the oscars i think uh, let, well so let's look at it from another perspective right so a lot of people during this crisis have lost their jobs right do you want to see a lot of rich rich people congratulating themselves on how great they are mm-hmm. i mean i know that it's in their face, right? It's in your face when you see that. Mm-hmm. So maybe they had something to do with it, but I honestly think that they got to change it up. Like, I mean, the Oscars has but, been the same for the last, I mean, I'm 45, so 45 years. It's been exactly the same show, really. But let's let's just, let me, let's just even look at last year. Who hosted last year? Um, last, uh, Jimmy Kimmel? Probably Kimmel. I, I'm not sure. It might have been. But best picture nominees: Parasite, Ford versus Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, Nineteen Seventeen, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Are, are those movie? I mean, those some of those movies are theater type movies. I, I would I would agree that these eight movies. Again, I didn't see any of them in theater, so I don't have that association but i don't know i i mean i watched the irishman on netflix um i i I just i'm just trying to understand how the difference in last year's 23 million versus this year's 10 million and i I, is it the quality of film i i don't i don't think so i don't think that's it i think it's just you know it's a tough four hours to sit through especially Mm -hmm. when I mean, do people really give a shit about the Oscars? It's it's okay to give a shit when life is good, but when life's tough or or you're going through some shit, I think watching the Oscars is the last thing on your mind. But maybe, and and it'll be interesting to see what next year's like. I guess. Yeah. No, I think that'll be a good comparison to telling sign. And I think right now, whoever's producing the Oscars is scratching their head, going, "How do we get this back? Like, what do we got to do?" What do we got to do? Because, yeah. I mean, it was a fail. This is a fail this year, as far as yeah. uh, as far as a showing. But 
We digress. Your big winner. Yeah. The mountain wants to thank the producers. <laughs> um, the landscapes. I want to just really reach out to the production team and say thank you. Thank you, Drone, for slapping my photo together. And we won it. We did it, guys. We did it. I just I just thought it was interesting that, that a lot of p- other people in the Academy respected that drone and thought that they must have done a really good job feeding those hobo sandwiches to get that performance out of them. So uh, I just, you know, I just, it's just good to be validated. Yeah. I think it's disgusting, quite honestly. I think that you, te- you pull on some heartstrings. I think, uh, I think they did a disservice this year. I think Mank should have won. Hands down. I think I just, it's, you know, I think I just have a heart is what it is. You do have a heart, and God bless you for that. But um, I'm happy for them. I thought Nomadland is an okay movie. Um, I like both those actors, Francis McDormand and uh, what was the dude's name? David Strathard. Yeah, he's great in Lincoln, by the way. Um, But Nomadland pulled it off, so congratulations. I'd love to know... It would be so cool if they released, and maybe that's a thing they can do for next year's release. If it's a voting scale, who got the most, who got second, who got third, who got fourth, who got fifth, all the way down. Mm-hmm. That would be really cool. I mean, for you and I, it'd be really cool. I don't think anybody else would give a shit. <laughs> I, I I didn't see the results, but I heard someone say that Hopkins Bozeman was the closest best actor race of all time or something like that. But I never saw the, the <laughs> yeah. voting. Of so. all time. Yeah, I yeah. believe that. Sure. Yeah, who knows? But yeah, Frances McDormand won uh, Best Actress, which we both uh, predicted. And It's not a stretch um, for her, though. It's, it's bullshit that she won. Bullshit. Oh, man, you just totally took the, the wind out of the sails, I was going to say, is that there are very few people with three Best Actress or Actor Award nominations. They so hand them out like hotcakes. Come on. Meryl Streep. <laughs> no, she doesn't have three. Oh, I know. Um, <laughs> Everybody so, thinks she does, though. Yeah, so I, I just it, this really puts her in a strata of of actor that uh, very few people join. If you take her performance in Fargo and compare it to her performance in Nomadland, Land, you would never ever suspect that she's getting an Oscar for Nomadland. Land. I mean, in Fargo, she actually becomes a character, and that's what that's what kind of pisses me off. But all right, good job, Francis. I I still love you. I still love you. I'd still go see you in some movies. But uh, all right, let's move on to. Well, I need to back up. Meryl Streep does have three. Uh, How dare you? She has national two, but treasure. One, but but one is supporting. Oh, so I thought you were going to say um, one for dancing. Me, but let me just run down this list. Um, Catherine Hepburn has has four. She's the you know the the queen. The only movie I've ever seen her in is on Golden Pond. Oh no, she's in a Warren Bodie Beatty movie I saw with her. Guess who? Guess who's coming to dinner? The Lion and Winter on Golden Pond and Morning Glory. <clears throat> um, Mer- Meryl Streep has more. Meryl Streep has two and one, two best, one supporting. Jack Nicholson two and one. Ingrid Bergman two and one. Daniel Day Lewis has three best actors, no supporting. And then Francis McDormand has three best actors. And Wal- then Walter Brennan has three supporting. Hmm. But that's it. That's that's the list. Who's of Walter who Brennan? Three. Who's that? He's from the 36. He, he won in 36, 38, and 40. Huh. I never um, heard of him. Yeah. So, But uh, that's the list of people who have three or more Oscars. So that's, that's rarefied air. 
Mm. Yeah, no, that's awesome. But but she didn't but she didn't deserve it because it wasn't a stretch. It wasn't so, a stretch. You know, should, I'm sorry, it wasn't maybe a stretch. Maybe we should put an asterisk by that one. I've definitely. I mean, <laughs> McGuire gets an asterisk for being on steroids. <laughs> I mean, come on, let's be honest here. No, but I mean, as good as it gets, was that a stretch for Jack Nicholson? No, I'd make the same okay. argument for him. But I mean, it's yeah. got to be. Tom Hanks in Saving Private Ryan, it's a stretch. Tom Hanks isn't a mili- does not appear as a military guy, but it's a stretch that he's that guy. Uh, he was just, that was himself. Poo-poo he face. You don't even know what you're talking about. All right, so let's move on before we start throwing yeah. stuff at each other. Daniel Kaluuya yeah. got Best Supporting Actor, which I got, so I just want to say thank you to the Academy. I got that. Oh. You did not get that. You wanted, You said Paul Racy was going to win, but I had Daniel Kaluuya, so I got that. Wow. And then, and then uh, supporting actress was uh, Grandma from Minari, Yu Jung Yoon, which neither of us got, but I had it on my want list. So, <laughs> well, that I'm going to take credit for it. I'm going to take your credit for it. <laughs> yeah, beautiful, beautiful. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so uh, I thought this was great. I, I, I I'm very excited to do it next year. Um, I think we should do a little bit more run up to the Oscars yeah. and talk about movies we th- we think are going to be nominated. I like and, that idea, yeah. you know. Not cramming um, them in a week would be fantastic. Yeah, so that's that. You, you're just reminding me of something I wanted to bring up to you. I, you know, I'm wondering. You you said, and maybe this wasn't true, that you watched a lot of these on iPads and on phones. I, I got. I mean, did you watch Nomadland and Minari on a phone? Really? Hold on, let me think. Uh, Minari, I watched on TV, a big screen, uh, because. Because Nomadland deserves to be watched on a, the largest screen possible. No, no and I'm Land, wondering if that... Nomadland I watched it, here. I watched downstairs. So I watched okay. them both on a big screen. I mean... No, what I watched on the iPad was uh, Pretty Young Woman... Or Promising Young Woman. Uh, the Trial of the Chicago 7 I watched. on uh, The big one that I watched on the iPad but had my headphones on was Sound of uh, Metal. And that Sound was awesome. That was awesome. Regardless, yeah. it didn't matter what screen you were watching. That the sound is just fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Well, I, so I, I, you know, I I was concerned that if you watch Minari or Nomadland on a, you know, on an iPad or a phone, that that might have taken away from it because uh, that was part of uh, Francis McDormand's speech when when they won Best Picture was you know when COVID's over and everyone's been vaccinated. You know, we're going to try to re-release this movie and go see it on the biggest screen possible, and you know, laugh and have tears with your friends. And I, I would love to do that because I think it, it, it does definitely deserve Which is deserving of that setting. Nomadland. Mm. <laughs> it's deserving of that setting. It, it just is. But there's just some other things I want to talk about. I know you didn't watch much of the Oscars, if any of it all, but I thought it was very odd this year again. If if they if it was just some they made some interesting choices in that if and I don't know if they knew the ratings of these movies but if they knew that not many people saw these movies it was a very interesting choice that they didn't use clips of these movies when they were telling the nominations they they did for certain um, awards for best picture they had some clips and for others but for the acting performances they had no clips for hair and makeup and costume design and production design no clips and so they're relying on you as the viewer to think about these movies rather uh, but they're telling stories about the people who are nominated instead of showing clips and 
again, I had seen all these movies, so I kind of enjoyed that to to hear kind of the more it was just a different change up, more personal, more interior a feel to the awards. But for the, I can see why if somebody who hadn't seen any of these movies, they they turn out, click the remote, and go to somewhere else because they're not showing you any of these movies. So it was just an odd choice, especially in this year, to do that. Yeah, but, I, I don't disagree with that. Um, was there one year where they did that? They didn't broadcast the clips, or they had parts of the clips, but also like acted it out on the stage. What the scenes were, I thought I remember seeing the, that. The, there's been stuff like that. I don't remember when that was, but yeah, there, or they maybe for the best picture, they like recreated a cer- certain scene or something like that. But I mean. You know, and this kind of ties into, like, what the future of the Oscars is. I could see them kind of going the route of, um, and I don't know these shows, uh, but I do seem to recall, like, an internet. People are able to vote on the internet, and they tally it up really quick, and they can be like, the audience picks this, but the Academy picks this. And Mm. I I just don't understand why they wouldn't show picks because to me that's their greatest ability to advertise. But maybe they knew that only nine million people were going to be watching it. Maybe they knew it was going to be a down year. Yeah, it, it's just odd, uh, just an odd choice. But the other thing was, like I said, so for best actor or best actress, they had Renee Zellweger come out and she tells a story about each of the nominees. Oh, you were wonderful in this, and I, I loved it because of this. Again, no clips, but she's talking to each of the actors. When Joaquin Phoenix comes out to give the Best Actor Award, he says, well, they wanted me to tell a story about uh, how I get into character and, and how I relate to my characters, but I really don't know anything about that. So here's the nominations. <laughs> and it's like, and it's like, what? 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 And isn't this the guy that showed if... up like as an act, like as character in character at one of the Oscars? Well, not to one of the Oscars, but yeah, he did. He did like a like a year long experiment where he was like basically filming a movie, doing this character, which was odd. But then the other thing was, I don't know if you heard anything about this, is that the apparently the plan. And I haven't heard anybody confirm this, but there was a story on the internet that the plan was for Olivia Coleman to actually to accept the award for for Hopkins, but Joaquin Phoenix just like blew past it and said, "Oh, you know, we accept this award." But I don't know how that's possible because they showed several times like teleprompters. Yeah. So I, I, how he could have blown past the teleprompter unless he has some sort of vendetta for Hopkins? Like it's just odd to me. But that was out there. Yeah, so I, 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 I'm, for Hopkins. That's not possible. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, just odd. It's amazing that you were able to watch it. You wanted to talk about the memoriam? Segment. Yeah, the, that was the other thing. That, the other thing that was weird was the in memoriam segment was, you know, a, a good Stevie, Stevie Wonder song as. But it, it's kind of an up-tempo song. And they were, mo- they were moving through the clips to the beat of the song. And, and the song changes tempo. So some of the clips were that were on for three or four seconds, and then it would, and then the next clip would be two seconds, two seconds, two seconds, two seconds, and then the song would slow back down, and it would go for four seconds. And when it was in the the two second mode, there was some bigger, you know, and it wasn't like, oh, this is actors, and then this is support people, and we'll put the support people in the two second things. 
there was like actors, like big name actors, like, you know, um, Diana Rigg and, you know, other folks. I, I just remember seeing a couple of them like, oh, wow, she got the two second treatment. But it, so they didn't seem to discriminate Whoa. about that. But it was like you, I, I literally it was so quick that you could barely read the words on the screen. Mm. And it was it just felt somewhat disrespectful. Was there a lot of people? Oh, yeah. I mean, there was. Uh, you know, a crazy amount of people died, and I would probably go through the list, but, you know, Wilford Brimley and, hell, I don't know. But there, it just, it was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And a lot of these were, some of them were COVID-related, others were, you know, just old age. But it was, it was a, it seemed like a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was just odd to have, again, As is a, is a nice song, and it's, a, you know, it's a lovely song. But it's, it's, again, up-tempo and the way that they were changing the the slides to the tempo of the song yeah. was uh, just a, a miss, but yeah, I hear you. Um, but then the last thing was again without the clips, they didn't do music performances this year of the of the of the Academy and you know the Academy Award winning songs or nominated songs. No history and movie retrospectives, and yet the show was still three and a half hours, and that's just whoa. It's just it's odd. Wasn't there a you know, big controversy so, where uh, Billy Joel like stopped in the middle of a song and was like valuable advertising dollars, valuable advertising dollars? Do you remember that or no? No, I have no recollection. Yeah, so of that. there was a little bit of a controversy in that like some renowned actor or actress would be up there and they'd be thanking so many people, and they'd be up there for like two minutes, two and a half minutes. And then the music was like the conductor would start playing the go to commercial music. Yeah. And they were cutting off like pretty renowned, respectable people in Hollywood. And so people were getting pissed. Like, yeah. how dare you do that to Sasha Cohen? Like, how dare you? I mean, he's a top actor. And um, so Billy Joel had some hit song for one of his movies. And in the middle of it, he stops and everybody stops and he just. Starts saying in the mic, valuable advertising dollars, and he just extends the the time wow. of the song. You don't you don't you didn't remember that? God, I hope no, this isn't one of it. my imaginary things. I'm pretty sure this is awesome real. If you try- I'm pretty sure this yeah. is real. Watch it be like it wasn't Billy Joel. It wasn't at the Oscars. But yeah, it was. Uh, it had to be a couple years ago now. This the, it must must have been in the. This must have been in the Grammys. I'm just. Uh, well, maybe in the Grammys. Yeah, ni- 1994 Grammys. A few minutes after the Sinatra snafu, snafu, whatever that was, Billy Joel interrupted his performance of "The River of Dreams," looked at his watch, and said, "Valuable advertising time going by. Vad- valuable advertising time going by. Dollars, dollars, dollars." Yeah. After smiling, Joel resumed playing. Yeah, so interesting. Wow, my I do still have some brain cells clicking yeah, in there. <laughs> was the Grammys, but yeah, hey, no, same, what are you gonna no, do? What are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. All right, so none of that happened uh, in this year's Oscars that I can remember. Are we good on the Oscars? Are we good, or you got one more thing? Well, although we did have uh, Glenn Close doing debut, uh, which was um, not necessary. I don't even like you talking so. about it. Like we should have just we should have just closed the Oscars down. We were moving on to another segment. I mean, how dare you? Yeah. So yeah, we wanted to uh, talk about Falcon Winter Soldier. Did you uh, finish that up? I did. I actually uh, I enjoyed uh, cranking out four episodes in a row, and um, 
am ready to loosely discuss. I didn't take notes. I just kind of sat and what I found with the first three episodes was I was kind of watching, but not watching. Like I grabbed my phone and I'd look at something and then I'd watch again. And then, so for the last four, I really tried to zoom in and um, enjoy what I think was an interesting i don't want to give away what my thoughts are yet until because i got a sense that you didn't like it well i i mean i kind of want to talk positives first in that i think it accomplished its goal and that was to convert falcon into captain america i mean i i think i think they did a good job of that yeah and it told us told us a potentially you know very intriguing. I'd actually like to learn more about it, and maybe they'll have a spinoff show. I don't know about Isaiah Bradley as Black Captain America or the you know a Black Captain America. I don't want to call him Black Captain America. Um, they, they you know they established chemistry between Falcon and Bucky or Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and because that wasn't that was part of the story, but it just near, it wasn't nearly as buddy copy as we thought it was going to no, be. No, But I thought that um, arc was really good. It's, I mean, I thought yeah. in the beginning they were kind of standoffish. Now what was weird is if you go back over, um, the movies, they're actually not as standoffish as they are in the, in the series. And I understand why yeah. they had to do that. But, um, as far as the arc, they end up, really caring about each other and i thought that was kind of cool it wasn't the glenn glenn i can't get glenn close out of my mind i'm so sorry uh it wasn't the riggs and uh clover uh relationship in lethal weapon it was it was much more deeper i thought which i thought was pretty cool Mm -hmm. and i did like what they did with the you know the new captain america john walker and how you know in the initial he's weak he gets his ass kicked a few times he takes a serum and then flips out i thought that arc up to that point was pretty good yeah uh the what happens in the finale is a fucking mess Hmm. um with him but uh, i i up you know that up to the point where he smashes that dude with the shield and he's got blood on the shield and that's the end of episode four i i was intrigued by that i thought wyatt russell did great um but the last two episodes with his, I guess, conversion into U.S. agent, I thought was whack, and I'll, I'll get into Let's that. Say a that again. More. I missed that. So you're saying you didn't like the Captain America U.S. agent thing? I'll get into that, but you know, he he, be, John Walker is now going to become U.S. agent, yes. and I I thought that shouldn't have been in this show, and I'll, I'll just get to that in a, in a little bit. Wow, I thought. So just to piggyback off that and staying on the positive, I actually thought it was a very cool restorative part of his character, which we don't often get to see. And but but all he did was he 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 pulled some people uh, on a truck, and and now he's a good guy. He you know the the truck was on the the edge of a bridge, and he decides not to go after Carly, and he saves some people on a truck. So no, and now he's a good I guy. I think he's a. No, I don't know that he gets that much credit. I think he is in repair mode. I don't. Th- I don't. They don't tell that story that way. They say he comes and helps, and that's it. He even tries to but, save that truck from falling over, and he can't do it. Yeah. He, he's. But but, in the end, he's. You know, I'm back, baby. I'm back, and he's not. Well, I, I think the, he's still the, trying they, to control the serum stuff. Obviously, that's bringing out mm-hmm. some bad things out of him. 
so I, my cliff notes of the show, it, it's six hours. It needed to be probably twice that because a lot of stuff, characters went from A to B without putting in the work. You know, and it, it was kind of funny in episode five, Sam and Bucky are when they're flinging the sh- the shield around and, and Sam's talking to Bucky, you know, doing his therapist thing. He's saying, you know, you got to put in the work if you want to, you know, get your redemption and, and, and feel better about, you know, all the stuff that you did when you were the Winter Soldier. And I, I, I think the show should have taken notes from that. They didn't put in the work with a lot of these characters. There's just so much going on. And the point being, what I'm talking about with the, the John Walker stuff, he's not back. He, I mean, wh- how on earth can he, like, in the episode before, he's nearly, he's got the shield raised and he's about to bring it down on Sam's head. Mm-hmm. They, you know, Lucky Bucky steps in and they end up snapping his arm. So, in the, in, and then si- less than 60 minutes later of showtime, He's fighting alongside of Bucky and they're quipping and talking about Abraham Lincoln lines and they're slapping each other on the back. And, and that, that, that they did not put in the work for that. Yeah. He, he, again, stopped going after Carly and pulled the truck off of the bridge. That's the one redemptive thing he did. And, and, and yet now he's again, Bucky's not going, Hey dude, I, you know, I don't know that I want to be fighting with you. He's just, they're fighting alongside. They're in a common cause. And even after they're done, you know, Captain Walker's not saying, dude, that's, that's still my shield. I want my shield back. You know, he, he they busted his arm. And he's he's cool with it now because because Falcon's cool. I don't know. I, I mean, don't see it that way. I think you get the sense that he had to be the villain. And I think you're going to have a hard time making. They made him out to be too good of a soldier. So... Like, they made him have three Medal of Honor. I mean, he had Afghanistan time. He had that sergeant that was running around with him. It's going to be hard to destroy a guy like that. And I think what they were trying to show was that even even a super soldier without the serum has a hard time holding that shield. And even he comes to that realization. Now, is it rushed? The whole show is rushed. So I don't disagree that it um, should have been longer than six episodes, but I think it does a decent enough job to tell the story. I, I, you know, I give them kind of some credit in this regard that it, it's difficult to transpose these shows without a gimmick. Like Wanda and Vision had a gimmick that they were moving on to the small screen. These guys, I, I don't know that this was entirely proven by Marvel, and I think they do a good enough job. I, I think there's enough story here that you can forgive a lot. I think there's too much story here. That's the problem. They they tried to cram in too much stuff. Zemo, the power broker, Walker, the GRC, the Flag Smashers. You had a Sam arc. You have a Bucky arc. You have Isaiah Bradley. That's too much. Well, too I much think stuff. they needed some of that distraction, and, though, because they were tackling a big issue in that black superheroes, right? I mean, I think that was huge. But but that would have been enough. I don't know if they needed distractions. We could we could have told a story about Sam becoming Captain America and his reluctance because of you know how hard it is being black in America. Well, and told the Isaiah portion, but 
you know, the, you didn't need the flag smashers. You didn't need this whole power broker bullshit. And I know it's, you know, it's setting up future stuff and they've, they've, you know, the, the, uh, the, all the Marvel stuff has to set up the next thing, but it, it just was too much. I, and so I, but let's, I, w- I want to focus on so issues on, with this on, finale on, because before this, before we go on to the finale, yeah. I think they got away with a lot of that stuff well enough, right? They brought in familiar characters that you wanted to see more about, like the power broker, for example. I thought she was excellent. Um, in a limited boy, man, we're watching different. We're in watching a limited different shows, role. Man. I mean, I'm glad that she's back. Like, I'm glad that she has an arc. I'm glad that she has a story. I thought Zemo in Civil War. Man, she has no. Arc. She has enough to dangle no something arc. out. You're surprised at the end that she's the power broker. I mean, you didn't see that coming. Not even Wade saw that coming. No, unfortunately, I did, but it just—it wasn't set up. Like I said, they didn't um, do the work. They Z- didn't do the work. She gives one three-minute. She gives one three-minute speech about uh, in episode three about being abandoned by her country, and and then then we get episode six yeah. where it snaps. She has that Black Widow scene where she's like beating everybody outside those containers. I, I don't know. I thought. But that makes no sense. But we'll, we'll get to that. That makes that makes zero sense that she did that. Zero sense. It, it makes no sense at all. I don't disagree because she ends up walking into the container anyway. At the end, it would have been cooler if she just disappeared. Um, and Zemo's kind of the James Bond villain. Like he just kind of shows up on the top of the containers after they blow up. Yeah, but there's got to be some license. I, I mean, is this a complete story? It's not. But I, you know, the one thing, the one pill I had a hard time swallowing back before we get into the finale is um in civil war zemo's not portrayed as a baron as a guy with a lot of means um he's kind of scraping by and then all of a sudden he's flying the world in private jets and he's like connected to the underworld and just seemed like a bit of a well license a liberty but i was willing to forgive it i like him as an actor and i like seeing him on screen and like, why did they break him out of prison? I'm, I'm not 100% clear on why they broke it, him out it makes of prison. No, it ma- makes no sense in how they broke him out. All of a sudden, you know, Sam slipped him a card, or he did he have that card all along? And uh, be, But why? Because they thought the super soldiers were a Hydra plot, so that's why they went and saw him. And obviously he had something where he didn't. He, you know, he has a he does he's his whole thing is he doesn't want super soldiers out there. But did he even really help them? I, I don't think he he did. Like, Wait and then he does help them. But they're just like super cavalier with him the whole time. He's a you know he he was he was in prison and and Sam's upset that Bucky broke him out. Yet they're just kind of walking the streets with him. Like and and they're and obviously they lose. I don't him know if they're cavalier point. with him. He does help him out. He does seduce that kid with some candy, and the other kids with some candy. Yeah. So he's oh, got great. skills. He's Santa. The Wakanda. But, so I thought the but but the, but then he go, but but hold on but then he goes to the raft and he's got still pull from the raft. I thought the raft was like this super intense, uh, you know, prison like it's, it's an island out in the middle of nowhere, and he could still pull strings to have, uh, you know, the 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 flag smashers blown up at the end by his butler. I mean, wh- huh? Because like, he's how, Batman. How what, what? I don't know. Uh, I, that, that didn't bother me as much. It was he's, Zemo's butler. Zemo's butler was just tailing that flight, that fight the whole time. Yeah, he's just. I mean, he, you know, why can Alfred get away with okay. it, but he can't? 
so know. out of everything, that it, was a bit of a stretch. Um, one thing, that, and this might be a good segue for the um, the finale, but could they have come out with a better Captain America's outfit than whatever Sam was wearing? That was so disgustingly oh my ugly. God. It was like it's like pu- it's like puffy and it looked ter- it looked like a costume. Exactly. It did not look like a, a a suit. And then beyond that, the Wakandans supposedly made it, and they made a bat. You know, the Black Panther suit is right. fucking badass, Slick. and it you know it, it, it. This thing is like it looks like a Nerf costume. When or I something. saw the stuff up I, on his terrible. face, I'm like, is this like a Jane Fonda bandana? Like, what has he got on there? Like, it was just so weird. Some of his tricks were kind of neat. I still have a hard time. Like, to me, I know that what they're trying to do, and I respect it. Like, they're trying to make a black Captain America, and I, I, I see the value in that. I think it's worth exploring. But they needed to connect him with some serum. That's where I thought the story was going, with the serum in the, in the super soldiers and, and that fringe group that's trying to unite the world and... And I thought eventually Sam was going to get some serum. And the fact that he didn't just seems very silly to me. Because of the threesome, right? The agent, uh, the Winter Soldier, and him. He's the, he's the leader of that trio. And he's the only one that doesn't have the serum. Which is just, boom. Like, come on, dudes. Like, can't we get... Give him one vial. Well, I, I mean, didn't you think it was kind of weird that he didn't... He didn't even really have, like a physical test or a physical triumph to become cap. It was just, he decided that he was worthy and that he was going to get past, uh, whatever Isaiah said to him about, you know, uh, any respecting black man wouldn't, wouldn't pick up that shield. And he did some flips in his yard and threw the shield around. And now he's captain America. So like that, that was, that's it's a little a wacky, street, right? So I think they were a little confused on how to sell that. Um, I really appreciated the fact that he was. They showed him training and struggling for it. But I think what would have made us even more invested in him was a little bit of like struggle. Like you know, he goes against somebody and he realizes that he's got to come up with a different way to fight because he can't just overpower somebody with serum. I definitely think mm-hmm. same thing with like Ray in Force Awakens, right? She has no training yet. She beats fucking what's his name, uh, Kylo Ren. I I think mm-hmm. Marvel Star Wars loses you when there isn't a struggle to get to something, and I think they they definitely miss that boat. But if you hear what um, the older Captain America says to him, in that any like you said, any just any self-respecting black man wouldn't pick up the shield because of how nasty America was to black people. And then all of a sudden, he just picks up the shield and he's Captain America. And then at the end, he kind of justifies it with this speech. You, it, it's kind of imbalanced. It's not you don't. It would have been better had he struggled. It, they didn't do that. the work. The whole thing. They didn't do the work. And I'm going to get to that. I mean, like. I don't know. Let's just talk about the finale. That the, I there's one thing that stood out to me is I'm I'm you, you talked last week how you had superhero mm-hmm. uh, fatigue. I have I have superhero movie fight scene fatigue. Like I the, when it's 
guys just punching each other and that that scene was also was so dark at least at the very beginning of the episode when they're you know flying these helicopters and like there was just they had no sense of space of 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 geography that was going on and it was so dark down in those tunnels and they're fighting the flag smashers it's like and there's just people punching each other i'm just i'm 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 kind of done with it and i thought it was very considering that first scene of the of the whole series that was not bad and it was well lit and you know sam's flying around and chasing the helicopter but when it was at night and it was dark and it just i don't know just didn't work for me i don't disagree i think um what i would have liked to have seen was more and and granted like we're saying it just needed some more episodes like there's a void um and Sam, to me, is an unsophisticated superhero now taking on a very sophisticated role. Um, and he, that, that's where I think he loses a little bit for me with Captain America. And Steve Rogers' Captain America is a, a guy with a shield, right? The Falcon is a whole bunch of technology that I don't know who makes for him anymore. Like, when he gets into the fights and he loses his wings... They kind of say it's Wakanda, but it would have been cool where he's now talking with them and going, okay, are you going to help me out here? Because my hookup, Tony Stark, isn't alive anymore. How are you guys going to fill in these gaps for me? It would have been nice to have that connection Mm -hmm. because he just constantly has these gizmos and gadgets. And it just seems like whenever he needs something, there's another gizmo or gadget that'll just show up for him. And that kind of... um, I thought there was something lost there. I did really like the portrayal of the Wakanda women. I forgot what they're called as far as a group. Mm-hmm. They come the in and they're pissed off that Bucky and Falcon are helping Zemo. And I think I think it was kind of telling, especially when she tells Bucky, you're no longer welcome at Wakanda. I thought that was kind of cool. Like, I'm giving you a favor because mm-hmm. I helped you survive when you came to us. But now that you're helping this guy, we don't like you anymore. And then it was even mm-hmm. even better when they beat the shit out of that Captain America thing, which was so cool because it's just mm-hmm. very telling in that, like, when you look at – and this is why Marvel's so cool because the Steve Rogers would have never put himself in that fight. He would have just been able to – rise above and um i thought that was pretty cool i i I thought the wakanda thing was neat like i said i just think if they would have just connected that technology and they could have because bucky Uh at the beginning could have like this is where i stayed when i was in recovery and after the whole they they had an opportunity to really connect it budget probably prevented them from doing it and I bet that they wanted to fit this six episodes into some kind of budget, and that's why we didn't get twelve episodes. Um, th- these guys are probably making millions of dollars for reprising these roles. Yeah, and you're you're making my point for me. It's just it's, there's too much story here and not enough time, and it, it just it, it's going to force me to say about fifty more times, do the work. They didn't do the work, and I don't like this Cliff's Notes version of the show that we got. I mean, how much do you not like it though? Like, I mean, I mean, it was still entertaining. It still had enough, enough juice in it to keep you interested. Well, I, I want to talk about my overall thoughts on the show at the end here. I, I've got some things I Uh-oh. need to get off my chest. 
I already talked about the Walker. I still kind of want to go back to the finale. The Walker kind of, you called it redemption. I, I, I don't get it. I don't, I don't, I don't understand how he's, he's not pissed at them for snapping his arm. He's not saying, you know, I want my shield back. I, cause you want it him doesn't to make villain, any sense to me. And he's not the villain. Uh, yeah. Well, he was a villain for three episodes and then he wasn't. There was just, this is kind of nitpicky, but what was going on there at the end? Walker and Bucky whose phone do they have? They just picked it up and they have an app that they can just no, round up the flag smashers. Like what, what do the work? Like if you didn't show me you didn't tell me what's going on there. And suddenly like anybody can just pick up the phone and go, Hey, meet me here. There's I'm a, a flag smasher. There's also that and, funny scene where they're fighting by those two um, trucks and the one that gets on fire, they get everybody out, but they leave the other one alone. And then <laughs> the, the, the bad guys jump into that truck and pull away. I'm like, why not just, yeah, you just open one truck, take the four steps over the other one, and open yeah. it up. Yeah, and then no, I go I, I just think that I don't know. I guess I'm willing to. I don't know why I'm willing to forgive so much on the show, but I am willing to forgive. So, all. can we talk about that speech that Sam yeah. gives? I I mean, that thing was. I, I think, I, and I'll read. I'm going to read you the speech. I think there's some good stuff in there, but it meanders and it was corny as hell. More than anything, because he's given this speech in that stupid headband and the goggles. Like, like, like let's let's be human and, and, and unmask that. I mean, you don't have a secret identity. I don't. I don't think he's got some secret identity he's trying to protect here. But I, it was so. That weird is a good point. That, he should have taken off those glasses and those sideburns or whatever the hell those were. I mean, you're you're being a you're you know you're saying stuff about humanity. Let's be human. Yeah. You know. And but the the biggest problem I have with it is we still don't even really know what the GRC, this Global Repatriation Committee, really wants to do. And and we don't really understand the flag smashers a, a whole bunch, other than you know it's just this one people, one world. They 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 don't want to be resettled after this blip. And I, but we really don't know enough of what this post blip world is really like and why the flag smashers are so mad um so what is sam really arguing against he you know he compares the grc to thanos and this speech is i don't know the, the other thing that was weird is just you know the, the cameras just show up and he's doing this q a with these senators yeah. like and it's just it's just broadcast nationwide like come on it, it but so i, I want to go through this this speech and it, so just bear with me you know he walks up and the lady says sam Thank you from all of us. And, the you know, sincerely, you did your part with those terrorists. Now we'll do ours. And he, he says, are you going forward with resetting the borders? They said, our peacekeeping troops will be relocating the people soon. The terrorists only set us back a bit. He's, you have to stop calling them terrorists. What else would we call them? Uh, you know, it, it, your peacekeeping, it, this, this whole exchange is just so corny. But he says, your peacekeeping troops carrying weapons are forcing millions of people into settlements, Right. What do you think these people are going to call you? These labels, terrorists, refugee, thug, they're often used to get around the question, why? He, he says, those settlements happened five years ago. Do you think that it's fair for governments to have to support them? That's the, the, the senator. Um, and he, Sam says, yes. And the, the male senator says, and the people who appeared reappeared only to find someone else living in their family home. They're just homeless. Look, I get it. But you have no idea how complicated this situation is. And this is where I, I pounded my fist on, on my couch. 
we don't understand how complicated the situation is. You haven't told us anything about the post-blip world other than the, what you just said in this sentence, that people show up and, and now they're homeless. We, we don't understand the gravity here. And this is what I was saying at the very beginning of the show. It's like I wasn't thrilled that these three properties since Endgame are still dealing with this blip. You know, Homecoming did, uh, WandaVision did, and now this. I mean, look, the, the blip was super unlikely, and there are million, millions of, of real-world issues that, that can't possibly be litigated in these shows. I mean, it, it also, by saying that bringing these people back sucks, you're, you're totally undercutting the triumph of Endgame by, you know, by asserting that people bringing these people back is more troubling than, than it was losing well, them. So why are we trying to do this in a six hour show? It's fiction. It's a comic book story. Let's treat it like a comic book story and move the fuck mm. on. Like comic, comic book stories would just be like, ah, you know, the blip happened and people are back and now let's just move on to the next storyline. I think by they, they're dealing with real world issues in a comic book story. And I think that's where they're getting hung up. I mean, it's, uh, you know, the, the speech goes on and on and it, it meanders between him focusing on racism and him focusing on xenophobia. I, I think it, in the end, it, it you know, in the anti-government stuff, I, it's kind of like all anti-supremacy, I guess, if you want to say that. But the message is fine ultimately, but it's just, it's just corny. And I, again, I think the big deal is they never explain this blip shit and i think they should have just moved on from it i don't know i so i disagree with you i think endgame lays down the difficulty of the blip on some level you you're you're given a bunch of scenes about how the world's in a little bit of disarray uh home no i'm saying bring it bring it bringing people back right why I mean, so, why does that I mean you you are you're given a little bit of that in Endgame in the beginning you see how it's screwed up and then Endgame brings everybody back and then uh Homecoming and WandaVision and and this show to some extent shows that I don't mind that they're trying to tackle big issues um I do sense that they're probably tackling too many big issues like it's not, that speech when I was listening to it, I was like, holy crap, you're talking about every freaking major issue from mm -hmm. um, uh, refugees to uh, race to government control. It, it was just overwhelming what he was talking about. But the, should they tackle those things? They should tackle those things. I think it's important... Um, on a bunch of different levels uh, that, you know, one by one, if they if they would have done a, a little bit better job in talking about how to handle blip refugees, how to handle um, governments and, and like a, really a new world order in that all these countries have to kind of gel together. And then the race thing and having um, to tackle what they did to the previous – uh, serum guy, I don't remember his name, the old old black guy. Isaiah. Yeah, Isaiah and, and just, I mean, to handle all of that in a speech seems silly. Is it good that it was there? It's good that it was there. They could have done a nicer job of wrapping it all together. It seemed like they really focused on Isaiah and the Falcon 
but kind of forgot about everything else. So is it neat in a nice package? It's not, but is it work? It it, yeah. it kind of works. Yeah, again, you're you're lumping in this, you know, these kind of refugee stories with being black in America and yeah, while there's similar aspects to them, they they really should be their own resolution and we again we just kind of folding it all together and putting it all in this messy little ball and it just doesn't work the next thing i want to talk about and this is kind of more of a season-long thing but the the finale really bugged me with this the show's called falcon and the winter soldier and we got sam's arc and we got the the them you know becoming friends but the whole bucky therapy redemptive arc was again didn't do the work and, uh, you know, we get the one up one episode up front where he's doing his therapy. And then he has this talk with Sam when they're doing their training session. And then uh, he's good. And that's all we get. Like, he, he and he sits down with the, the old Asian dude. And they literally cut the scene. Like, after he says, like, two words. He's like, I killed your son, but it wasn't me. And like that, they cut it. Like, they don't show the Asian man's reaction to that. Like... They don't have a discussion about it. It's all we get is that. And then the next thing is Sam's spying on him while he's eating lunch with the, the chick that, uh, or not Sam, Bucky's spying on him when he's eating lunch with the chick that Bucky had the battleship date with um, and, and the old man's smiling. So everything's good. I mean, it's a TV show, not a movie. Put in the goddamn work. Like they didn't, we, we go from A to B in a second. And it's it's called the Falcon and Winter Soldier but we left out a whole lot of the growth for Bucky. And I just, I, I want to, I read an interesting quote from Alan Sepinwall from Rolling Stone about this issue. And I thought it, it's totally summed up what I felt, which is when you devote so much of a show to the consequences of one of your team, your, your hero's actions, and then you flinch right when he's about to face them, you send the message that you really don't care about those consequences at all. You just consider them as window dressing for fight scenes and snappy banter. And, I mean, that's exactly what happened here. I cannot believe that that's all he had to do was sit down in front of that Asian man and go, I killed your son, but it, I wasn't in control. That's it. We don't we don't get any more of that resolution. That's it. Yeah, just I don't disagree with that. I think they hint, they constantly hint at Bucky and quite – Bucky's just as interesting as Falcon, if not more so, if Falcon wasn't becoming Captain America. Um, he's got this crazy history of being a murderer, and he's trying to be redemptive, and they they try to build a little bit of a history. That scene with that psychologist or psychiatrist where they're facing each other, oh, man, that was probably the worst scene of the whole series. I, I didn't understand it. I don't know why they did it. It made no sense. It lost you. And likewise, you know, Bucky had, like, in that, that, this is where I kind of, this part sucks, is that Bucky's best friend was Steve Rogers and um, in two different eras, really. And, um, Steve really shows how much he cares for Bucky in the movies. And, it's interesting that that they just kind of brushed all that history aside and it would have been cool to have a reaction from Bucky that maybe he doubted the Falcon as the next Captain America like maybe I should have been it or 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 something mm -hmm. 
but they kind of just push Bucky to the side. And that scene with, I, I got to admit, I, I did, I, I rewind, I rewound that scene because I missed, I thought I missed what the redemptive quality of that scene with that old, old guy was. And I was like, mm-hmm. so we're okay now. He just said four words and, and he cried and they're okay. Yeah. Uh, I was a little, a little aghast at that. Um, but where they're good is that Bucky is very supportive, like midway through the season of uh, of Sam, Sam. And, and like growing into this role and really that one scene where he apologizes to him for not fully understanding all of the weight that Sam had to take on. I thought that was significant. It showed that he was growing, and um, but I would have liked to have more Bucky. But again, this is a tale of. Six episodes really wasn't enough. It would have been cool to have eight or or ten or twelve. Twelve, we would be here. If it was twelve, we'd be here saying twelve's too much. How come they went twelve? Fucking <laughs> yeah. stupid asses. Yeah. The the last issue I had with the finale, and then I've got a couple other like season long issues that we need to discuss, is the Isaiah story. Uh, it seemed like they kind of had to go a long way through that exhibit to get to the isaiah statue so it, it kind of made me feel like he's just kind of a footnote to the cap story and is that good enough i mean and you know in 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 episode five isaiah says to sam i don't i, I don't want to look at that shield and any self-respecting black man wouldn't pick it up and sam goes and has one fight and gives one speech and now he's cool and he's hugging and he's having tears about it like Again, so do the work. I, I just don't. I, I didn't feel the work for me. That whole museum, whether it's Steve Rogers or Isaiah or Sam, to me, that whole museum thing is ridiculously stupid. Um, to think that a super soldier who is tasked with saving the world or the universe or whatever over and over and over gives two fucks about whether or not he has some kind of museum pick um, or monument or story being told. to just seems really ridiculous. That would be like Navy SEALs wanting their portrait in the Smithsonian. And to me, it, it kind of really takes away from the honor of, of like, that. do you really need credit as Captain America in a, in a museum that you're the best? It just doesn't make ton of sense. Well, and then, f- I mean, his story was like, his story was a little different in that they were, you know, taken beyond their, uh, you know, kind of drafted I, into I, that. I or, get it. You know, beyond but now their, you're now you're applying yeah. that to a guy that was racially put into prison for thirty years, and his reward for all that time where we took your life away is a fucking bronze statue next to this guy are you kidding me i mean it, yeah it just plays really shitty on both captain america steve rogers before isaiah and then like I, if i was isaiah i'd be like you guys gotta be fucking kidding me this is all i'm getting seriously well that's like i said they i mean they definitely showed them kind of like weaving through this exhibit and then they finally got to it it was like it seems wow. like he's a footnote yeah. not a you know, I don't how about know. how but, about justice? How about like saying this will never happen again to another black person ever again? And, and 
I mean, are people yeah. like I? I always kind of laugh. Are, are people really that concerned with their legacy that they need to have it on display at a museum? Like, I guess I'm not one of those people. I I, I don't uh, need. I I wouldn't need those types of, types of accolades, but. It just seems so silly. It just seems silly that, that that's part of the whole story. It's not only to this series. It's definitely played on where Steve Rogers is walking through this museum and he sees that kid and Stan Lee and all that shit. I mean, do you really give a fuck if you're in a museum? I mean, this is the same museum that has planes and a security force that Wonder Woman likes to use every once in a while. So you just got to be careful there, okay? I don't know. It's just odd. So the other th- one of the other things I want to talk about was just this, the whole concept of these the flag smashers. Flag smashers! I'm not – you, when's the last time you smashed a flag? I don't know. How do you smash a flag? Yeah. But they they seem to want – Kind of the elimination of borders and and these de- and deportations due to the blip, but we don't really, I guess we I, we never really understand the consequences of that. But what was what was uh, I mean, really odd? Yeah, we do. Well, why are you saying that? There's that orphanage. Well, they, they, they they say it, but they don't show. Yeah, us. they show those kids in that orphanage and that teacher like teaching yeah, they, them. What, what like more did you need? I mean, they're having a good time. It's school, baby. Yeah. It's a good time. I mean, I, I, I mean, you're asking an awful lot. I think yeah. they show, they but give it enough there. The the bigger problem here was Carly. Well, I and I really like that actress. I think she's um, very unique looking, and she brings an interesting quality to the screen. But that was so uneven. And at the very beginning, she seems like she's kind of like a Robin Hood thief with a heart of gold but then she just like flips out halfway through the season and starts blowing shit up and telling people i'm a criminal and let's act like a criminal i I, it just it didn't make sense and then sharon kills carly uh sharon carter kills carly to effectively cover herself up and like that's what ends up prompting sam to make this speech it just (laughs) i don't know i mean it just didn't make sense to me she started out great she started out yeah. As a Thanos, right? Thanos to so walk with me here. I saw that face. So walk with me. Oh, you mean? Oh, you mean? You mean as in a villain with a purpose? Villain with a purpose, exactly. Yeah. So Thanos on paper, if you say population is a problem because you have limited resources throughout a planet, universe, galaxy, whatever you might have, uh, reverse that. So planet, galaxy, universe. Thanos on some scale has a point that. Yeah, if I, if we constantly grow our population, resources become scarce, you have some problems you have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Is the solution snapping your fingers and get rid of half the life? Maybe not so much. Yeah. So Carly starts out with a pretty awesome purpose, right? She's for like you said, the Robin Hood of these refugees or blippies, I don't know what you call them. Um mm-hmm. And then, and then you're right. Like it would have been so cool if they would have taken that to the extreme, where she's now taking part of terrorist tactics to make sure her message is is brought to the general public, and the public just isn't interested in giving a shit. They've moved on, right? They could have really tackled mm-hmm. that, 
But again, there's too much that this series is dealing with. So now if you make her super sophisticated, it's just another layer, another layer that they have to deal with. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I thought she started out as a very promising villain. And the whole idea that she's trying to make more super soldiers... I mean, it's the only reason Zemo's in this whole thing is because that was what he was dead set against, and now he's got he's got a <laughs> outbreak of it. Yeah. But yeah. it's kind of interesting though that that actress is the she was also in the the solo solo, and uh, you know she's kind of the same character that she's this seeds of the rebellion person. Yeah. So you said she's an interesting. You know what? For a revolutionary, <laughs> she's just. I would have liked the somebody a little more sophisticated, a little more agey. She comes across as sometimes just playful and a little immature. Well, she, I mean, she's young looking and she's not very stout, um, so she doesn't, you know, she doesn't have a imposing presence. Not a stature, but I, yeah. The last thing I want to talk about was when I kind of already hit on it was Sharon as the power broker. Power broker. I really hated that they played cat and mouse again with us with this ultimate villain. You know, with in WandaVision it was, you know, who who's controlling Wanda? Who's who's the villain? Is it Mephisto? And out here, you know, they introduced a power broker in episode three, or at least the concept of a power broker. And then again, maybe this is my problem in my Facebook timeline or whatever. But I get a million different articles. Oh, you know, Isaiah Bradley's the power broker. Oh. You know, Justin Hammer's the power broker. Oh, Th- Thunderbolt Ross is the power broker. And and I have to read all these things, and it just drives me fucking crazy that we play these cat and mouse games. And again, maybe I just need to I'll be honest with you. Off. That's fucking your fault. <clears throat> you need to shut yeah. that shit off. I don't have any of that stuff, and it didn't bother me nearly as much that she was the power yeah, broker. Yeah, well, you... You have girls in bikinis talking about Bigfoot in your feed, so uh, yeah, uh, which keeps me away from the crap you're listening to. It gets <laughs> you all angry about. I mean, it's just nuts that uh, you feel that way because I thought that was kind of neat and and a good way to bring her. I mean, but, auspiciously but back because she's going to have to have a romance with one of these guys. But so let's just walk through this. I mean, she's she's mad. Because she was on the run and you know dis you know disenfranchised from her country, yeah. But I needed I needed more than a thirty second speech in episode three to buy this. Why? But I, I don't know. It just didn't it, you know it, it just it didn't make a whole lot of sense. And I, it, it, because she's on the run, but by not giving us the story, just f- snapping our fingers and now saying I'm the power broker, it just doesn't fit. I don't and have any idea why she... she's on the run. Why is she on the run? Well, because she stole Cap's shield in Civil War. Civil War. And, but and you're to, telling and me gave it back to him. You're telling me this is five years ago at least. Yeah. Right? She's not exactly. forgiven for that. I mean, Captain America saves the fucking universe. Yeah. Well, that's so that's the whole thing. So if she's been um you know, St- Steve Rogers never reached out to her? Come on. And but also, this is getting super nitpicky now, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna You're go gonna there. Do it. In Endgame, in Endgame, they show her picture among the people who were blipped. So she's been back for six months, and she's got all this resources. She's like literally this. This this so is set six months after the blip. She's a bad mofo. So, but if she wasn't blipped, 
and Steve thought she was blipped. Like, isn't her anger like a little misplaced? Like, I, I don't know. But, but the, but the other thing is, does this actress even have kind of like a villain gravitas to you in any way? Like, I just, it it doesn't work. that, That didn't bother me. She's okay. She looked very different to me than what she looked like in Civil War. She looked extremely she's, different for some reason. She's literally a second or third tier character in a, you know movies from five years ago. Yeah. And this is just supposed to matter to me that she's now the power broker? She made out like, with I, Steve Rogers. Yeah. Only to get dumped. Her uncle. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Game of Thrones. But, yeah. So... I don't know. The ultimate takeaway that I take from What this is the is ultimate takeaway? These shows are just kind of spackle and inconsequential. And some will be good. Some are definitely bad. Yeah. Um, but they're just going to be kind of a, they're going to be connective tissue, but I don't think they're going to ever going to matter. Just like Mandalorian. I, I just don't think they're going to. Yep. That's all this is. I'm sorry. That's all any of this stuff is. It's just bullshit for slappies like us to debate about. But really it tells no bigger story other than when they all get together again as Avengers 35, Sam's mm-hmm. going to be Captain America now without serum. Yeah, yeah. so I, I don't know. I mean, I'm interested in the Loki series because I think it looks pretty cool. But So I'm going to give that a shot, but I may start tuning out on these. Ooh. I, 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 yeah. I don't believe you. Just in the fact that we got to do a podcast, you'll be like, all right, I'll watch it. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so let's not lie to ourselves, Thanos. Let's let's really oh, uh, we're gonna we're gonna watch it. I am not interested in Loki. I am getting burned out on all of this bullshit. Like I just um, I really enjoyed watching some Oscar Best Picture movies um, and getting away from. And you sent me that trailer with Chris Pratt um, for um, what is it? Live tomorrow. What's the movie? The Tomorrow War. And again, skyscrapers are falling, crumbling, and you know, I just I'm, yeah, I'm, getting, I'm getting a little tired of seeing world destruction. Um, I think you and I talked about that ten years ago when we were seeing all these yeah. cities just falling apart. Yeah, and they got away from it for a little bit, but now it seems like it's back. And I just um, you know. I like little stories about Mank and giving a mountain a roll. It's not it's not horrible. That leads into what I what I was talking about earlier. I last weekend for some reason I got on like an action movie kick. And so I fired up Netflix and I had already seen Triple Frontier, which is the Ben Affleck and Charlie Hunnam movie. Yep, I saw that. But I but I had never seen Extraction. That's the one where Thor is like Rambo in India and he's in India. Ooh. You know, he's um trying to save a kid from rival drug gangs. And it's, you know, it was an exciting movie. Was it a good movie? I, I don't know. It was exciting. It was fun. A lot of shooting, lots of blood and guts. And then I watched Old Guard with Charlize Theron. That was actually pretty good. Some bad performances, but I think ultimately it was a good story. But then I started thinking about, again, this Tomorrow War that's coming out. Looks like it's pretty big budget. There's a... Michael B. Jordan movie coming to Amazon Prime where he's, uh, it's like Seal Team 6 or Rainbow 6 or whatever that is. And, I mean, these movies are high budget. And we used to, when we were growing up, the kind of concept of straight-to-video movies was, they were B 
schlock. And now we have these straight to streamers and, and streaming and video and straight to video are, are different, but it's, it's just kind of odd to me that these movies aren't getting, aren't going to get a theatrical release. There's this other one that's coming out on Netflix. That's uh, a Zack Snyder movie, the, the zombie movie in Vegas. It's just, I don't know. It just, it's just an odd time to me to see these, these big budget action movies, not going to theaters where they would seem to be, that would seem to be the place for them. And I, again, I know that there's, there's rights issues. And, and when Netflix, Netflix doesn't have a chain of theaters. So if Netflix owns this movie, it's just going to go to Netflix. But it's just, I don't know, just kind of struck me on. I just want to get your thoughts. But on isn't it. this what sells Netflix? I mean, this is what sells, this is why they're the number one streaming service in the world is because they invest in high quality shows and now high quality movies and there is no other medium for them to put it out other than onto and like you and I had talked before so many people now have full theater systems and full 65 to 85 inch TVs and do you really mm-hmm. need that exp- I mean you and I'll always be slappies that want to go to the movies but does the average joe who just wants to sit down with his family and watch a movie need to go and spend 60 bucks Probably not. And I think Netflix, that's their model. That's how they're going to win you over. I mean, you might be right. But, yeah, I mean, I have what I consider a a great system. Is it, like, state-of-the-art, best system ever? No. But I I still yearn for going to the movies and, and, you know, having my, my socks blown off by the surround sound. And... I, like I said, the, you know, the ones that are going straight to Netflix, yeah, that's probably that's that's their model. But there's there's certain some of these movies I think were made outside of the Netflix Amazon Prime purview, and then were sold to Netflix or Prime, and maybe they just thought that that would be a better return on their investment. But I'd like to see the math there because it. Well, how much does I don't how know. much does they, COVID come into play on that? Right, you invest all these dollars into a movie, and you can't in theaters. They're not all closed, but at least it's awkward. Let's put it that way. Can you can you make sure you get your money back on your investment by selling it directly to HBO Max or Netflix or Prime? Well, and so Kong versus Godzilla is apparently a huge success because that that made four hundred million in theaters globally. Did it really? Plus, plus the exposure that it got on HBO Max. I mean that's that's got to be seen as a home run. Oh yeah. So we you know we're we gonna get Kong versus Godzilla too. I I wouldn't doubt it. It's so funny when you and I first started talking about it, we were amazed that they even made it. Amazed yeah. that they even made it, and oh, it's just so weird. I'm so glad I'm not an executive in Hollywood because I what I think is good film, obviously, Mank made twenty million bucks or something. You know, like. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting for sure. I it's just again, just it's a weird time to be alive and I think COVID is part of it, but I think the transition is happening. We've talked about this before. I think the transition yeah. the theaters are in trouble. I think you're going to see a significant reduction in the amount of theaters there are. Yeah, that's sad. And 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 it's also sad what you know what in the theaters that are left what is really going to be carried in them. You know, I was thinking today about a movie like heat like d- w- does that go into theaters anymore 
Like, or is that a straight to streamer? Mm. You know, uh, when we're, you know, a movie about a guy who takes down scores and a guy who tries to stop guys who take down scores. Like, that's now a that's there, there's that's now six seasons of a show. Yeah, and I think what I, theaters are going to start doing though is re-releasing older films like Star Wars and and and. I think there's going to be new generations coming up that'll want to hear that, but I think it's a dying business model. It's sad. It's sad. I love my popcorn. I love my really bad for you extra greasy popcorn. And like I said, I, there's something about having that screen bigger than you know your eyesight and. You know, just getting unwrapped into it and having a great system, you know, with the bass well, for, blowing I mean, your socks forget off. about that. I mean, you it's know? just such part of Americana. It's such a, a, a cultural thing. First dates happen by taking your girl to the movies, you know? Like, yeah. um, I just think that's the stuff that sucks, that people are just going to be hermits. They're just going to stay in their house and never leave their house. It's all going to be there. Yeah. But... I hope yeah. it doesn't happen. I, what, what could, I you know, know what, though? Um, I remember laughing when, do you remember Gateway Computers and Dell Computers? Mm-hmm. So they, mm-hmm. they made um, their business models were always call, configure your computer, and get it shipped to you. And then, like, five years into that business model, they're like, you know what we should do? We should open some stores. So they started opening up stores <laughs> yeah. all over the place. I'm like, this will never work. So sure enough, Gateway, Dell probably fell apart. But you know who followed them right after they were done? Fucking Apple. There's tons of Apple stores. Mm-hmm. And that's, I, I just, it's mind-boggling what comes back into fruition. So maybe Netflix, as, you know, they, they earn a shit ton of money and they have capital to invest. They start opening Netflix movie theaters or drive-ins or something. Well, there was actually talk of that when around when Irishman and Roma, you know, from last couple of years, were trying to get into the Oscar race. That they were going to release some of these movies into theaters, and they, I think, they actually do own in in Los Angeles only. I think there is a theater that shows some of these because I think there's some arcane Oscar rule that you know these something like these movies have to be released on a big screen or something like mm. that. But yeah, I don't know what any, you watch anything else? What's going on? Yeah. So I went on a big documentary kick. I watched, um, on Netflix. There's this sh- show about the New York mafia. I think it's called New York verse the mafia or something like that. Four part series hmm. had, um, a much younger, sleeker, Rudy Giuliani. So wait, it. wait, Wait a yeah. second. So it's about New York versus the mafia, and it's called what? New York versus the mafia. Yeah, I think so. That's oh wow. They really they really it's like Dave Matthews Band. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I thought it was it was a good series, really kind of interesting. But I don't have a show in queue right now. Like that, I'm. I kind of got on this documentary kick because before that, I watched the uh, Crown. Um, the thing on the British Royals as a documentary, um, which I thought was pretty interesting. But there isn't really a show that 
I'm probably got to get back into Invincibles. That that show, for whatever reason, now I think back on it, I'm like, man, that that actually did stir a little bit in me uh, as far as an interest. But like you you had mentioned it before that. I'm somewhat more interested in movies right now than I am in shows because it's a nice package deal. You kind of get in and get out. But mm-hmm. six months ago, I was 180 degrees the opposite. So it's funny. Last week I said, I'm, I'm, I'm way into movies right now. And we got through the Oscars and I looked through my list and I'm like, yeah, I don't really have many more movies I want to watch right now. And in the past week I've picked up, three shows I'm watching and um, I'm enjoying it, but I, I, I do yearn for, uh, I, you know, I can't wait for black widow. I can't wait for top gun. I can't wait for a lot of the stuff. But, but so black widow. So real quick though, black widow and top gun to me are movies that I want to see on the big screen. Yeah. And we're going to see black. Yeah. We should go see both of those on the big screen and then do a cast right afterwards. Oh yeah. Yeah, sure. But um, so I'm uh, the uh, I'm watching For All of Mankind on Apple TV Plus, uh, which is an interesting show. It's kind of the space. What if the space race never stopped? What if the Soviets beat us to yeah. the moon? And because we're so competitive as Americans, that the space race never stopped. So that's pretty cool. I'm watching a show that I'm not going to comment on um, that you asked me to watch called You. <laughs> I've already gotten some a taste of that reaction. Once I get through both of those seasons, we're going to have a podcast about okay. that. And um I started today a French show which I know you're no, not going to watch uh called called The Bureau. It's kind of a homeland but set in France and I'm uh Are I'm you reading it. subtitles on that one? Yeah. Yeah, subtitles. So, you know, my list is still there. I have Oh, but also sorry, there's one other thing is the Invincible the the finale for that is this Friday. So, I'll be I'm interested in watching that and finishing that. I've been I've been following. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm pretty far along in that. So, maybe we should do a podcast on that. But one of my friends and I I she's a big Star Wars dork just like you and I. Um and she wants to come on as a guest and talk Star Wars hmm. with us. But um Well, I have a friend who's also a big Star Wars dork and he wants to do maybe, the same. So maybe we're gonna have a maybe round we'll table. Need a round, round table, table or something. Because that would be fun. Let them go at it and you and I just sit back. <laughs> That'd be awesome. But uh yeah, yeah we were uh camping this weekend and, and uh we connected on the fact that we both thought that Rogue One and uh, Empire Strikes Back are the two best Star Wars, and that the the new ones were garbage. So instantaneously, it was like, "Hey, you should come join us on the podcast." <laughs> so, does she hate Baby Yoda like you hate Baby Yoda? I don't hate Baby Yoda. I don't hate him. Just, you want him to die? Yes, that would you, you, make it exciting and interesting. <laughs> you want Kylo to kill him? You, 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 you're a Baby Yoda murderer kylo fictionally but that, that's all i got man well i look forward to doing this oscar presentation again next year i thought that was cool looks like loki's our next marvel thing star wars has been kind of quiet as far as new star wars stuff 
there's an animated Star Wars show coming out, I think, this weekend. The Bad Batch starts up. But I think we're getting we're not gonna get a live action Star Wars show until Christmas time when the Book of Boba Fett comes out. Well, my friend, I think we covered it. I think we have some things coming down the pipe. But other than that, I think I just wanna remind you that I got three of yours correct and you didn't get any of mine correct so i know you better than you know me so i just want to make that point i also want to reiterate that the falcon and winter soldier sucked it was all right i I think i i I should recant a little bit it was it was fun i think it achieved some objectives but they didn't put in the work to 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 make those objectives have gravity so all right. Well, we're uh, we're reaching two hours, so my friend, have a good night out there in podcast land. Have a good night, and uh, we'll see you next time. Good night. Bye. That concludes the show. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'd love to get your support and your opinion of the podcast, so please subscribe and review us on Apple Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Deep Shots Pod and on Facebook deep shots podcast email your comments opinions and future show suggestions at deep shots pod at gmail.com stay safe much love bye